You're listening to the teaching ministry of Pastor Paul Bhutan on the Calvary Brighton Podcast. Now, you know, 28, 29 years ago, before I went into the full-time ministry, I worked at a place called Napa Auto Parts Warehouse. And I worked there for about three years. And, and kind of my habit was, was to, to always show up for work about a half hour early. That's just, you know, just kind of how I'm wired. I, I like to be early to everything. So I, I like to be a half hour early. If I'm 15 minutes early, I'm on time. If I'm on time, I'm late. And if I'm actually late, somebody's getting hurt. And so, you know, I, I, I show up for work a half hour early every day. And, and, and I go into the break room and, and, I, and I just kind of you know, wait, wait for my shift to start. And I start reading the Bible. And so I do this every day. And then one day I'm, I'm reading the Bible and I look up and there's this guy staring at me. Ever have somebody just kind of stare at you? It's creepy, right? You know, so I'm reading my Bible, this guy's staring at me. And so day in and day out, week in and week out, and month in and month out, this guy just keeps staring at me. And finally, one day he comes up and he's like, so what's your story? I mean, every day I see you here in, in, in the break room reading your Bible. I mean, are you really a nice guy or, or is this just an act? So I told him my story. I told him how I came to Christ, how I became a Christian. Now listen, if you're a Christian, if Jesus Christ has come into your life, then you have a story as well. So tell your story. Now, you know, sometimes we hear people debate whether or not uh, you, you should share your personal testimony of how, you, of how you became a Christian as you're trying to lead people to Christ. Other people will say that, you know what, you should only uh, share the scriptures, only share the Bible. In fact, there's a group out there that says that it's not biblical to share your personal testimony, which I find really odd because the Bible actually tells you to tell your testimony. For example, in the book of Revelation, in the context of spiritual warfare, it says in Revelation chapter 12, verse 11, it says, they have conquered him, the him there, by the way, is the devil, they have conquered him, the devil, by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. And likewise, uh, Psalm 107, verse 2, it says, let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story. And so listen, if you've been redeemed by the Lord, if, if the Lord has come into your life, if Jesus Christ has changed your life, you have a story to tell, so tell your story. So whatever story God is writing in your life, that's your story and tell it. And so with that, here in, in Galatians chapter one this morning, the apostle Paul is telling his story. He's sharing his personal testimony of how Jesus Christ changed his life. So now with that, as we go back to verses 10 through 12, we see that, first of all, Paul is getting personal. And so in verse 10, it says again, For am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not have become a servant of Christ. For I, I would have you to know, brothers, that the gospel that was preached by me is not man's gospel, for I did not receive it from a man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. Now as we look at this, let's remember from, from last week's message when I, when I gave you the introduction to the book of Galatians, that I gave you the outline of the book. I, I gave you the breakdown. It's, it's broken up every two chapters. So we saw last week that, that chapters one and two, Paul gets personal. And remember, he, he was being criticized, he was being attacked, so he gets, he gets personal. And first of all, he defends himself. And then, after he's defended himself, then he shares his personal story. How, how the gospel personally changed his life. So number one, Paul gets personal. But then in chapters three and four, Paul gets doctrinal. And, and, and he argues that grace alone is the only means for salvation. And then in chapters five and six, then Paul gets practical. 
And he shows that, 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 that grace truly changes your lifestyle in a practical way. In other words, if you really are a Christian, if Jesus really has come into your life, if he's touched you with his grace, it's going to change your life in practical ways. You, you know, it's going to change how, how, how you raise your kids. It's going to change how you, how you relate to your spouse. It's going to change how you, how you work with your coworkers. It changes you in a practical way. So he gets personal, he gets doctrinal, and he gets practical. Well, now in this section this morning, Paul is getting personal. After he defended himself last week, now he's sharing his personal testimony, his personal story of how Jesus Christ changed his life. Now, by the way, let me say that that your testimony is not so much your story as it is his story. It's It's not the story of what you did. It's the story of what he's done in your life. You see, you're not bragging about you. You're bragging about him how he changed your life. And so the Apostle Paul now is, is, is telling his story. And then if, if you remember, the context of this passage is that there was this group who, who had come to town known as the Judaizers. And the Judaizers came in with this really confusing message of the gospel. Now, on the one hand, they did believe in the gospel, but on the other hand, they were adding to the gospel. They're adding all these rules and, 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 and rituals and, and religious customs to the gospel. And as we mentioned last week, if you add anything to the gospel, it's no longer the gospel. And so they were adding to the gospel. And, and now their, 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 their MO, their, their modus operandi, their, their MO was, was basically, you know, they, they, they didn't really, you know, plant any churches of their own, but rather they, they were like leeches, like, like parasites who just attached themselves to someone else's work and then leached off of that. So they went into these towns and, 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 and they would find these churches that were, that were already established by Paul, and, and then they would undermine his authority, they would attack his credentials, and they would say, you know what? Paul's not a real apostle. He's not one of the 12 apostles. And in fact, Paul actually persecuted the church. He attacked the church. So why uh, does Paul of all people, what right does he have of all people to actually plant churches? That was basically what they were saying. And so again, they never planted churches of their own. They were just trying to take over the churches that Paul planted. And so first of all, Paul defends himself. And after defending himself, he now is sharing his personal testimony. And we're going to see this morning that his testimony is broken up into three sections, into, into three different you know, phases, if you would. Now, phase one, section one, would be his BC days. That is, before Christ, before he became a Christian. And then number two, his, 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 the second phase would be his conversion story, how Jesus Christ changed his life. And then the third phase would be his preparation. You see, God had a plan for Paul's life. Jesus had a call on his life to ministry. But before he sent him out for that ministry, first Paul needed to be prepared. So there was his BC days, there was, a, there was his conversion story, and then there's his preparation. So now as we pick it up in verses 13 and 14, we now look at Paul's BC days, before Christ, before he became a Christian. And so in verse 13, Paul says, For you have heard of my former life in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God violently and tried to destroy it, and and I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my own people. So extremely zealous was I for the traditions of my fathers. So again, he's talking about his BC days, before Christ. And and by the way, can I say that that when you share your testimony, listen, uh, step one is to make sure you tell them what you were like before Christ. 
what your life was like without Jesus in your life. You know, make sure you tell them how, how empty your life was without Jesus in it. Make sure you tell them the, the pain that you encountered or, like in Paul's case, the pain that you might have caused others without Jesus in your life. So now here's, here's Paul's background. When, when Paul was, was 13 years old, after he'd been bar mitzvahed, his father sent him off to Jerusalem to study under one of the greatest rabbis of that day known as Gamaliel. And now that, by the way, is what Paul's referring to in verse 14. When he says in verse 14, and I was advancing in Judaism beyond, my, beyond many of my own age among my own people, so extremely zealous was I for the traditions of my father's. Now, when he says he was zealous for the traditions of his fathers, uh, what, he, what he's talking about there is, is his zeal for the oral law, not so much the written law of Moses. When we say the written law of Moses, we're talking about the Bible. We're talking about the first five books of the Bible. Now, the first five books of the Bible are sometimes called the Pentateuch. Pentateuch just refers to five, uh, or, or sometimes called the Torah. Torah is the Hebrew word for law. It's the law of Moses, but it's the first five books of the Bible. But then, in addition to that, uh, there, 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 uh, there were the oral uh, teachings of, of the rabbis. There, there were the, the, the commentaries of the rabbis about the law of Moses. Now, by the way, we talk about the law of Moses, the first five books of the Old Testament. Well, that's where we find the commandments of God, right? And there's more than just ten. Listen, the ten commandments, that are like the, that's like the top ten. But in the, in the first five books of the Bible, there are 613 commandments. So that's in the Bible. That's in the, in, in the Torah, the law of God. But then, in addition to that, there were the oral teachings of the rabbis that later were written down in a book, in fact, two books, called the Mishnah and the Talmud. The Mishnah and the Talmud. And, and so, listen, in those two books, the Mishnah and the Talmud, they added another 1,521 laws. And, you know, and, and they added all kinds of crazy stuff. So here you have, you have the law of Moses, you have the law of God in, in, in the first five books of the Bible. Like for example, maybe, maybe it talks about the Sabbath, that you're to keep the Sabbath day holy. It's a day of rest. Well, in the oral law, in, in the Mishnah, for example, they then added other laws about the Sabbath law. For example, they said that on the Sabbath, you could not walk more than a day's journey from your house. Now, on the Sabbath, they considered a day's journey to be three quarters of a mile basically 3,100 feet. So on, on the Sabbath, you cannot walk more than 3,100 feet from your house. However, they said that if you brought food from your house with you, well then, once you reach 3,100 feet, you could set the food down, and now by setting the food down, you've just expanded the borders of your home by, by another 3,100 feet. You could keep walking for 3,100 more feet. These are the kinds of crazy things they would add to the scriptures. And so they basically took the oral teachings of man, the, the oral teachings of the rabbis, and elevated them above the word of God, above the scriptures. In fact, there's actually a passage in the Talmud that says that the, the teachings of the rabbis are more lovely than the teachings of the scriptures themselves. And so when Paul says he was zealous for the, for the teachings of the fathers or the traditions of the fathers, that's what he's talking about. And in fact, really, it was, it was Paul's zeal for these traditions that ultimately drove him to persecute the church, to attack Christianity, to attack and, and, and kill Christians. In fact, in the book of Acts, we read that on one occasion he was, he was supervising the death of a Christian by the name of Stephen. And then after supervising that death, it then says in Acts chapter 8, verse 3, it says, for Saul, now keep in mind, uh, it's typical for Jewish people in that day to have more than one name. And so Saul is also Paul. 
And so it says, as for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering every house and dragging off men and women, committing them to prison. Now, in some translations of the Bible, like the NIV, it would say that, that he was destroying the church instead of wreaking havoc. Other translations would say that he was, he was ravaging the church. But in the Greek language, the word that's used here is a word that, that speaks of a lion that is ripping apart and tearing apart its prey. And so the picture is, is that he's like a, like a wild beast who, who's raging out of control, and he's on this vicious rampage trying to destroy the church, trying to destroy Christianity. He has literally become like a religious terrorist, trying to kill as many Christians as he possibly can. Now again, there were three phases in Paul's testimony. This is his B.C. phase, before Christ. This is the kind of man he was before he became a Christian. Now, uh, in fact, we know that in Paul's case, uh, before he became a Christian, he was a Pharisee. In fact, many believe he was, he was a member of what was called the Sanhedrin, which was basically the Jewish Supreme Court. And so what Paul's illustrating is that he's saying, you know what, that he himself used to be just like these Jews, these, these Judaizers who now are attacking him. In fact, he was worse than them because he, he actually was arresting Christians and even, and in some cases, killing Christians before he became a Christian. Now, something we should notice about the Apostle Paul as he shares his story, we should notice that, that as he talks about his past, he does not embellish the past, nor does he glorify his past. And that's important. You know, a lot of people, they do that. You know, a lot of us, we talk about the past, and you know, we, we talk about the good old days. We have a way of making the good old days sound really good. And Paul doesn't do that. He, he doesn't embellish the past. He doesn't glorify the past. But he does share what his past was like without Jesus in his life. And so now uh, we come to phase two as we look at verses 15 and 16. Having looked at his B.C. days before Christ, now we look at his conversion story. And so in verse 15 it says, But when, when he who had set me apart before I was born and who had called me by his grace was pleased to reveal his son to me in order that I might preach him to the Gentiles. Now let's pause there. We'll finish the rest of verse 16 in just a moment. But, but right now we're, we're looking at phase two. His B.C. days are now being converted. This is where Jesus Christ changed his life. And so in effect, what, what Paul is saying is, he's saying, you know what? The reason I'm a new man, the, the reason I'm, I, 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 I'm a changed person is not because I changed my life. It's because Jesus Christ got a hold of me and changed my life. He's saying, you know what? I'm a new person, not because I, I went to some kind of support group. You know, I didn't join like terrorist anonymous. You know, I, I, you know that's not how I became a better person. I, look, I'm a changed person because Jesus Christ changed my life. It, it, I didn't change myself. It's not self-help. It was Jesus. Jesus because I was self-helpless. He changed me. Now again, we, we mentioned the book of Acts. In the book of Acts, after he oversees the death of Stephen, all of a sudden, Paul is like a shark who's got a taste for blood, and now he's on a vicious rampage. So much so that Acts chapter 9, verse 1, it says that Paul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. Then as you read Acts chapter 9, we go on to see that, that Paul was on his way to a city called Damascus hoping to find Christians there and, and hoping to take as many lives as he possibly could. And, and, and all of a sudden, he's knocked off his feet, sees a bright light, a blinding light, and hears a voice speak. And, and it's the voice of Jesus saying, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And Paul answers back and says, who are you, Lord? 
And Jesus says, that's right. I am the Lord. And, and listen, uh, when, when you're attacking these Christians, they are my children. And, and when you attack them, it's like you're attacking me. I take it very personally. Needless to say, in that moment, that's when Paul got saved. He got saved right on the spot. In that moment, that's when he became a Christian. But then in, in the rest of, of Acts chapter 9, the apostle Paul discovers the call on his life, that Jesus had a ministry for him. In fact, in Acts chapter 9, verse 15, we're told that, that, that Paul was called to preach the gospel to Gentiles, to preach the gospel to kings, and to preach the gospel to the people of Israel. Now, by the way, that's what Paul's talking about here. In Acts chapter 1, verse 15, he's talking about the call on his life. Look at verse 15 again. He says, But when he who had set me apart before I was born and had called me by his grace was pleased to reveal his son to me in order that I might preach him among the Gentiles. Now there's a, a couple of things that stand out. Number one, what stands out is, is that we see that, that God had called Paul, had, God had, had chosen Paul to be saved even before Paul was born. In the same way, the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4, he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. And so before he was even born, God chose Paul. Now the second thing that stands out is, is, that, is that Paul discovers that, that he has a call on his life for ministry. But not only does he discover there's a call on his life for ministry, he discovers that God had called him to that ministry even before he was in his mother's womb, even before he was born. Look at verse 15 again. He says, But when he who had set me apart before I was born and who called me by his grace was pleased to reveal his son to me in order that I might preach him among the Gentiles. In the same way. God says this, God said in Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 5, he said, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you a prophet to the nations. Listen, I want to say something, and I don't intend it to be political, but I do intend it to be biblical. And that is that I'm pro-life. And sometimes people ask me, well, why are you pro-life? Well, I'm pro-life because God's pro-life. Because God right there said in Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 5, he said, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. In fact, he says, before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you as a prophet of the nations. And so listen, I believe that, that, that every single child that's in the womb, God knew them before they were in the womb. And he chose them. And, and, and he has a plan and a purpose for each and every one of them, even before they were born. And so just as, as God had a, had a call on Jeremiah's life to become a prophet to the nations before he was born, and just as God had, had a call on Paul's life to preach the gospel to Gentiles and to kings and to the people of Israel, even before Paul was born in the same way, he knows every single child in every single womb before they were born, and he has a call and a plan and a purpose for them. In fact, I, I read of a professor at UCLA, UCLA Medical School, easy for me to say. Obviously, I did not attend there. And so he's taking his medical students through, through kind of a walkthrough and giving them a case, and, and, he, and he gives them the family history. He says, here's the family history of this case. The, the dad has syphilis, the mother has tuberculosis, and now they have four children. Now, the first child was born blind, the second child died at birth, the third child was born deaf, and the fourth child also has tuberculosis. Now, here's the thing. The mother is now pregnant with their fifth child. And so he tells his students, he says, now, based on the medical history, based on the family history, would you encourage and, and direct the mother to have an abortion? 
And almost universally, almost all of the medical students voted yes, that based on the family history, she should have an abortion. To which the professor answered and said, well, congratulations, you just murdered Beethoven. For every single child, there is a plan and a purpose designed by God. And so we're looking at Paul's testimony. Uh, what his life was like before Christ, the kind of person that he was before, but then he encounters Jesus Christ, and Jesus Christ changes his life, and that's when Paul discovers that even before the womb, God had a plan for him. And now we come to, to, to Paul's preparation. His preparation, as we pick it back up in verse 16 to the end. In verse 16, after he says that he was called to preach among the Gentiles, he says, I did not immediately consult with anyone, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me, but I went away to Arabia and and, and returned again to Damascus. Then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to visit Cephas. Now, by the way, Cephas, that is just the Aramaic version of the name Peter. So he's just talking about the apostle Peter. Then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to visit Cephas and remain with him for 15 days. But I saw none of the other apostles except for James, the the Lord's brother. In what I'm writing to you before God, I do not lie. So actually, Paul's still defending himself. Verse 21, then I went uh, to the regions of Syria and Cilicia, and and I was still unknown in person to the churches of Judea that are in Christ. He's just saying, you know what? I I wasn't like a guest speaker at all the churches in Jerusalem and in Judea. I, you know, I wasn't doing the guest speaker circuit. I was unknown to them. Verse 23, they only were hearing it and said, he who used to persecute us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. And they glorified God because of me. Now, it's interesting that, that Paul says that after he became a Christian, after Jesus changed his life, he, he said that, that he did not go to Jerusalem immediately. Now, listen. You would think that, that the most logical thing for, for, a, for, for a former rabbi who, who was actually trained in Jerusalem, you would think the most logical thing, I mean, after, after he gets born again, after he becomes a Christian, you would have thought the most logical thing for him to do was to go back to Jerusalem where he received his training. And besides that, you, you would have thought that, that he would have wanted to get in with, with Peter and James and John and the rest of the apostles. You know, that, that once they hear his story, how, how he used to be the most hated and feared enemy that Christians had, but now he's actually become a Christian, you would have thought that they would have wanted him to, to share his story anywhere and everywhere for all who would listen. But instead, Paul says he doesn't go to Jerusalem. Instead, he went to Arabia for three years, to the desert for three years. This is not original to me, but, but uh, someone else had put it that, that basically Paul got his BD in the ministry. You're like, BD? Yeah, you know, you can go to Bible college, get like your bachelor's of the arts, or, or maybe stay a little longer, get a master's, or maybe get a PhD, right? Well, Paul got a BD. What's that? Uh, the, the backside of the desert degree. This is where he learned of the Lord. Uh, you know, so for three years, he's, he's, he's growing in the Lord. He's three years learning of the Lord. Now, think about this, by the way. You know, Jesus' 12 disciples, before he commissioned them to become apostles, before he commissioned them for ministry, how many years did they spend with Jesus? Three years, right? So just as they spent three years with Jesus, now Paul spends three years in the desert learning of Jesus before he launches out to his ministry. Listen, God was going to use Paul in a powerful way, but quite frankly, he wasn't ready for prime time yet. 
And so he, he needed training. He, he, needed, he needed to grow. Now, when you think about it, if he would have gotten saved in our day, if he would have become a Christian in our day, I mean, he'd already, already have a book deal, right? He'd be out there signing autographs. I mean, he'd be on the talk show circuit telling his story. In fact, he'd be, you know, making the, the church circuit, you know, going to this church and that church and this church, you know, sharing his story for everybody to listen. And, and meanwhile, we'd be like, you know, look, look who just joined our ranks. Look who just joined our team. Look at who just became a Christian. You know, and sometimes we, we, we hear of these, these famous celebrities, these, these musicians or these athletes or these actors who, who all of a sudden become a Christian, you know, and, 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 and right away we, we prop them up on some pedestal. We draw all this attention to them. We, we point at them and, and, and you know, we, we say, hey, look, look who just became one of us. And that might be a mistake. It might be too much too soon. You know, sometimes we, we hear about these Christians who, you know, they, 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 they they're a celebrity, then all of a sudden they get saved and, and all of a sudden they become a pastor of a church or they, 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 they have this large ministry and all of a sudden they crash and burn. Why? Well, because perhaps they weren't ready. Perhaps they were given too much too soon. The Bible warns us of this in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 6. It says, don't raise up a novice or a new believer lest they should be inflated with pride and fall into the condemnation of the devil. And so Paul Waited three years. He, he was in the backside of the desert learning of the Lord, growing in the Lord. Now again, there's three phases to Paul's testimony. Number one, his BC days, what he was like without Jesus. Number two, his conversion story, how Jesus changed his life. But then number three, his preparation. Yes, there was a call in his life for ministry, but that call didn't start right away. There was preparation time. In his case, it was three years in the desert, learning and growing in the Lord. Now, there's some basic elements in Paul's story, by the way, that I think ought to be in our story when we share it with people. You know, for example, element number one is that, is that and I mentioned it earlier, but that is that Paul did not embellish his story. His story didn't keep changing and getting bigger and he didn't get worse and worse and, you know, and, and, and have this more dramatic story. You, you read his testimony over and over again in the Bible and it's always the same story. He never embellished his story. You know, sometimes, you know, you, 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 you talk to people and, and, they, and they hear these stories and we hear so many dramatic and, 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 and powerful testimonies that we think, you know what, my story needs to be dramatic. My testimony needs to be powerful because if it's not dramatic, people won't listen to me. You know, and, and listen, that's not true. Whatever your story is, it's your story. Tell your story. In fact, I've known people over the years who, who've, who've, you know, kind of embellished their testimony as they tell it. You know, when, when they first became a Christian, you know, they, they weren't that bad. You know, they, they weren't a horrible person. And so they're like, you know, hey, you know, when I first got saved, you know, I, just, I wasn't horrible. I just, you know, I ran a couple red lights. Yeah, I got a speeding ticket or two. And, oh, yeah, there was that one time where yeah, I had like 25 items at the, at the express checkout lane. But then like three years later, they're telling their story. And all of a sudden, they're, they're, they're telling how, how they were like this hardcore drug dealer who shot somebody. And you're like, wow, your story's really changed. In fact, you know, I, I, I had a guy come up to me a couple years back and he said, you know, Pastor, uh, you know, I, I don't really have a dramatic story. I don't have a very powerful testimony. So I'm just going to tell your story. <laughs> no, listen, don't do that. You've got your own story. Tell your story. In fact, some of you, uh, for some of you, the name Mike Warnicky may ring a bell. Mike Warnicky, back in the 80s, uh, was, was a guy that, that became famous when he wrote a book titled The, the Satan Seller. Now, in this book, he, he talks about how, how he was a former high priest in Satanism and how he performed human sacrifice after human sacrifice and all these crazy things. 
So there was this Christian magazine that was going to, uh, did an interview with him, and they're going to do an article about his life. But right before they published it, they decided to do some fact-checking, which was really hard to do without Facebook back in the 80s. But somehow they did some fact-checking, and they discovered that, that not one syllable of his story was true. The whole thing was made up. He was never a Satanist. He was never a high priest in Satanism. There were no human sacrifices, none of it. He made the whole thing up just because he felt like, like to get people's attention, you had to have a sensational story, a dramatic story. And so number one, we see that, that the Apostle Paul did not embellish his story. And that leads us to, to uh, uh, number two. Element number two is, is, is that Paul's story always pointed people to Jesus. He never drew attention to himself. He always pointed people to Jesus. You know, Galatians chapter 6, verse 14, uh, Paul says, but, but may I never boast about anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus. It's so in the same way, listen, make sure that, that your testimony is never a self-amony. Make sure that you're never drawing attention to yourself, but you're pointing the attention to Jesus. You're, you're not drawing it to yourself, you're drawing people to Jesus. You're, you're not sharing a self-amony, rather you're giving a test-amony. You know, reminds me a month or so ago, I was at the rec center, and you know, after my workout, I'm in the locker room, and there's always this older guy in the locker room who always talks to me. He calls me Pablo. And so one day he's like, you know, hey, Pablo, well, what's your story? How did a guy like you, of all people, ever become a pastor? So I told him my story. I told him how I became a Christian. I told him how, how my parents got divorced when I was three and how my mom and I moved to Colorado when I was, when I was three and almost four and, and then how when I was four years old, I got knifed by two teenagers. Then I showed them the scar on my chest and then I told them that when I was four, I got molested by a teenager. And then when I was 10, my dad committed suicide and then I told them how I, how I grew up in 20 different foster homes because of child abuse. Told them how when I was 15 years old, I, I ran away from home. And then as a runaway, one night I break down and, and I cry out and I say, God, you know what? I don't even know if you're real. I don't even know if you exist. But if, if you don't exist, if you're not real, or if you don't help me, I'm dead. And quite frankly, I'd rather be dead than to go on living like this. Well, the next day, my, my uncle shows up on the scene and he's inviting me to come and live with him and my aunt on one condition, and that is that I go to church. And I'm like, well, how, how did you know to come and get me? How did, you, did, did, my, did my mom call you and tell you that I ran away? And he's like, no. Last night, your aunt and I were praying, and God told us to come get you. That was the same night that I was crying out to God. And then I told this guy how, how a few months, you know, after going to church and hearing the gospel week after week after week, a few months later, I accepted Jesus into my life. I, I, I became a Christian. But then I discovered in that moment that even before the foundation of the earth, God had a plan for my life, that I was not an accident. I was not a mistake. There was a purpose for my life even before I was in my mother's womb. And at that point, this guy's like, yeah, Pablo, that, that's, that's an amazing story. He's like, you know what? I mean, you know, congratulations. I mean, good job. I mean, I'm so proud of you. Good job for changing your life. I'm like, listen, I didn't change my life. Jesus changed my life. And he's like, well, yeah, I know. But, you know, you did your part. I mean, you know, you got your part and God's got his part. I'm like, yeah, I know what you're saying. And you're right. I do have my part and God did have his part. My part was, was, was being broken and lost. And his part was finding me and fixing me. <laughs> Now, it's interesting, uh, a week or so later, he's like, Pablo, I want to tell you, I've been telling your story to everybody I bump into. <laughs> but the point is, is make sure that it's, it's, it's his story, not your story. You're not telling a self-amony, you're giving a testimony. 
And then element number three is that, is that, listen, as simple as it is, Paul simply told his story. Listen, Jesus Christ changed his life, so he had a story to tell, and he told his story. And in the same way, listen, uh, we, we see that, that Paul tells his story here in Galatians chapter 1. He tells his story also in, in Philippians chapter 3. But then in Acts chapter 22, he gets arrested, and what does he do? He shares his testimony. By the way, I'm belaboring this just in case anybody thinks it's unbiblical to share your testimony. So in Acts chapter 22, he gets arrested. He shares his testimony. Acts chapter 26, he, he's standing on trial before Festus and, and King Agrippa, and he shares his testimony again, so much so that King Agrippa says, Paul, you almost persuaded me to become a Christian. But the point is, is that Paul had a story to tell and he told his story. And so in the same way, listen, if Jesus Christ has changed your life, you have a story to tell, so start telling your story. Even as the Bible says in Psalm 107 verse 2, let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Calvary Brighton Podcast. 